Okay, TV. A podcast of the television. I'm Alonzo Duraldi. That's Dave White. This is normally a show that's uh, exclusive for our Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash linoleum knife. But uh, this is a special cool one that we're letting everybody hear because it's it's too special and cool to keep to ourselves. We have a special guest. Yes. Uh, we've been kind of teasing the, the LKTV people, yes. telling them, go finish watching somebody somewhere. Because we're about to spoil it and spoil it and spoil it. Uh, but also, we held back on talking about the end of the series, the end of the season, because wonderful listener and advertiser Amber Petty, amberpetty.com, <laughs> would you uh, go and learn how to write things from her? Uh, she reached out to us and she said, Hey, um, I happen to know uh, Jeff Hiller, who's on Somebody Somewhere. Why don't you have him on LKTV? And we said, yeah, please, please, set that up. In a heartbeat. And so here he is today, Jeff Jeff Hiller. Hiller. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. We are... um, You know, you called your theme song Lo-Fi, but it's stuck in my head, so I think it works. There's a a musician... (laughs) Here in town, uh, his name is Blue B L E U, oh. and um, Alonzo's a fan uh, of of this man, and uh, uh, me too. We're, we're we're all pals, and um, and in that weird Los Angeles way, then we met him and kind of hung out a few times, and then so suddenly he gave us a theme song that I've always enjoyed. Sounds like a Japanese children's game show. <laughs> That's fine with us. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're so thrilled to have you here uh, today because we are, uh, as the, the LKTV audience knows, we are big, big, big fans of the show. Uh, Alonzo. Yes. Why don't you explain to people who've never watched Somebody Somewhere what it's about and then tell them to stop listening until they go finish watching all the episodes. <laughs> yeah, so Somebody Somewhere premiered this year on uh, HBO and HBO Max. It has already been picked up for a second season, and uh, it stars the great Bridget Everett as a woman named Sam. She has returned to her hometown of Manhattan, Kansas, to take care of her sister uh, as she was dying. We enter the story about a year after that death. Sam is still there, still sort of struggling with what she's going to do next, various family issues, um, and at a fairly dead-end job, she runs into an old high school friend, Joel, played by Jeff Hiller, um, who sort of uh, introduces her to the uh, the kind of cool underbelly of Manhattan, Kansas, the, the sort of gaggle of uh, outcasts and artists and interesting eccentrics who make up uh, a, a, a secret church-based nightclub uh, called Choir Practice, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, stuff ensues. The show was created by uh, Hannah Boss and Paul Thoreen. Is it who, Boss or Bose? I think uh, it's Bose. Jeff? Yeah. How do you pronounce her name? Hannah Boss. Hannah oh, Boss. I'm wrong. Okay, All right. Dave, butt out of my record. Uh, one, <laughs> yeah, one for a long time. Uh, Hannah Boss and Paul Thoreen, who co-wrote um, one of our favorite films of 2020, uh, The Beautiful Driveway, is directed by Andrew Ahn. Um, and, uh, yeah, we are going to be talking about the whole season of, um, somebody somewhere, including the beautiful finale. So if you haven't watched it yet, yeah, give it a pause, go watch, catch up. Actually, you know what? Just, just keep listening. Or not. Because here's the thing. It's not. It will be ruined. It's not what happens. It's how it happens. Thank you, April. Right. It's not like a and Marvel show or something. The, yeah. <laughs> the killer is. <laughs> At the end of the at the end of the season, uh, uh, Jeff gets uh, invited to join the Avengers. <laughs> exactly, wouldn't that be a twist? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> no one saw it coming. Suddenly, Sam Jackson shows up. 
<laughs> like, I'm taking you. <laughs> I'm <What>? Smile Man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, Jeff, I'm curious, what is it like at the moment uh, uh, that we're in, in the culture where you are on this HBO show that people are raving about? It's already been picked up for, for more episodes. Uh, you know, getting great reviews. The word of mouth is terrific. But there's never been more TV available at one time than there is right now. Um, do you ever feel like you're, you, the, the show is maybe not lost in the shuffle, but is, isn't getting the traction it would have gotten if there weren't just so much stuff out there? Well, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because I do feel like it can get lost in, in, the, in the shuffle of, you know, famous people and, you know, murder mysteries and, you know, vampires or whatever. But I also feel like if there weren't, if if the TV landscape wasn't the way that it is, where there are so many shows, they would never make this show. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because they would only want to make something that was whatever, four quadrant, you know, and um, could, get, could appeal to as many people as possible. Like, the reason that this show was made is because it is, it is specific and it is a little niche and it is a little bit, it's made for, you know, I, I don't, it's not made for anybody in spe- specifically, but it is, it, it does, I think, appeal more to an older crowd and it's, um, you know, it's very realistic and very quiet. And so I, I think if it were, you know, if this were airing in the 80s on ABC, I don't think it would have, <laughs> I don't think it would have lasted that long. <laughs> When I try to describe the show to people, I, I, I tend to fall back on, well, it's 30 minutes. <laughs> and it's. There are people with faces. Yeah. And- <laughs> but I, 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 I can't, to call it a sitcom is inadequate. Hmm. And to call it, you know, a dramedy is embarrassing and so i just say you know it's funny and it's sad and it's this naturalistic you know presentation it's it is it is real life Hmm. and the closest cousin to it that i know on tv now would be something like reservation dogs and i don't know if you've watched Hmm. that or not i have i loved that show it's such a wonderful show and 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 we they feel they almost feel connected to me Hmm. Uh, in terms of their style and the tone and sense of place and the sense of place exactly and where uh where the characters feel like they are in mm. their lives. Mm. Yeah, and they have grief, they're dealing with grief too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean I think I think the one difference is that show has that beautiful thread of magical realism through it. Oh yeah. That um that we definitely don't, but I I agree. I've also heard um, the Ricky Gervais show Afterlife and um, the Pamela Adlon show Better Things as comparisons. Um, and I, I guess that's good. I think all those shows are really good. So if you want to compare me to any of them, it's awesome with me. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I do think that, you know, it's it's funny because we've been doing this press tour and, and the, the questions that people ask are very, um, you know, they're not trying to be mean or anything, but it's very much like, What's it like to be on a show where everyone is <clears throat> conventionally attract or not <laughs> conventionally attractive? <laughs> and you're, you're like, I know you're making a point and representation matters, but did you just say like, what's it like to be on a show with fuggos? Um, <laughs> and, and, but I think the the truth is is that it's just not normal to see a television show about you know, real people, you know, it, right. you know, you know, when you, when you watch Law and Order SVU, like Mariska Hargitay does not look like a real cop, you know, <laughs> she's wearing like leather pants and a glossy lip and her hair is blown out. And, you know, we are, um, more real. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love a blowout. I will, <laughs> I will watch Mariska Hargitay's blowout all day long. But I, I, I think that there is something. I don't know. It scratches an an interesting itch to see people who are real and to see stories that are real and to see that um, it's not, um, 
you know, it, it's not soap opera. It's not. It's not melodrama. Right. It's just. It's just life, and and sometimes grief stays with you longer, and sometimes a friendship is better than a romance. Um, and I, I like seeing that, and I like being on a TV show as the lead, even though like. Normally, I just play waiters. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you see the, the the teens on Freaks and Geeks, at least the geeks, uh, you right. know, and you go, oh, right, that's what 13-year-olds look like. They right. don't look like, you know, cover right. models. Right. I think the tradition of casting from the beginning of, you know, cinema has been, you know, let's cast people who are so unnaturally otherworldly good looking <laughs> that that you you're hypnotized by them in a way hmm. and so that when you finally see anything with folks you know <laughs> folks you know people who look like you people who look like the people you grew up with it it is a moment when at least journalists will say oh my now isn't this unusual <laughs> Yeah. How old? Exactly. There have been times watching this series because we were we made it like appointment. You know, mm-hmm. when a new episode would drop, we would go, we would sit down and watch it. And um, there were nights sitting on our couch where I would just reach my hand over to Alonzo, and mm-hmm. I would need him to touch my hand because the the level of how much I know this place. I grew up in rural places, small towns mm. in New Mexico and Texas. Mm. Um, and every single moment of this show felt like something from my life that I either loved or that traumatized me. <laughs> so yes. I would, I would just reach out and need, you know, reassurance, reassurance you know, <laughs> Everything's okay now. There anymore, right? right. (laughs) This couch is here. This couch is now. (laughs) Yes. And as the as the episodes continued, what I truly became even more in love with about the show is the way that, unlike me, the people of this town don't feel a burning need to escape. They want yeah. to stay. They got their community. They're building a community there, and they're happy. And, you know, I guess if you're perhaps a, you know, a teenager who's queer in a small town like that, I think the natural impulse quite often is, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Too um, sweet. <laughs> but, the, but one thing I do love about this, about this show is the idea of, you know, that old uh, – goofy inspirational poster that you'd see in offices or churches like bloom where you're planted. Like it's this, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of a feeling only not corny. Hmm. Yeah. And we all know, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say what you know, but what <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I really know um, the queer person who really who believes in that. And I feel like uh, in the past, I might have even sort of patronizingly judged them for staying. Cause you know, I got out too. I grew up in Texas and I don't right. live there now. Um, right. But this show has really been this sort of cathartic realization that, that it is tough to get out and, and find your place in a new world, but it's just as tough to stay and to find your chosen family, your, 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 your friends, your, your, the place where you belong in the place that you grew up. And, um, you know, I don't think it's wrong to leave, but I, I, I think I never would have vocalized it, but I think in a past I might have even thought it was kind of wrong to stay <laughs> or not wrong, but just sort of, um, you know, why wouldn't you, it. why wouldn't you get out? Um, and yeah, exactly. there's this beautiful, uh, you know, bravery in that. And also saying like, why should I be the one to leave? This is my home too. Um, right. That has so much courage to it that I really hadn't considered before. And I really love seeing. I think also, you know, you see movies like Sweet Home Alabama where like here Reese Witherspoon is this like 
huge fashion mogul <laughs> and she's like gonna marry the the son of the mayor of new york city like she has a good life and the point of that movie is like just get a shop in alabama <laughs> and that i take issue with that i take umbrage with like if you if you've made it and you're doing well there's nothing wrong with that but if she had bloomed uh, and 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 really uh found that the shop in Alabama, you know, <laughs> fed her from the beginning. I think that would have been a fine plot point too. But I don't think I don't think she needs to leave a fashion empire just so she can have a little boutique. <laughs> Jeff, have you never seen a Hallmark movie? I know. That's what they literally all are. It's true. <laughs> Did you see um a Cluster Funk Christmas? The um, oh, yeah. <laughs> That was so good. That was perfect. <laughs> Rachel Dratch and, and Anna Gasteyer are so brilliant about that. They, yeah, they, they clearly knew the language back yeah. and forward. Um, <laughs> so so at, we heard you on Good Christian Fun, and you talked about growing up in Texas and your background in the church. And it seems like there's a lot of you in Joel. And I'm wondering, was that character always that way on paper or over the process of development and casting and, and, and actual production of the show, did more of you sort of seep into it? Yeah, I think, how's this for a non-answer? Yes, both. Um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll elaborate. Um, it, it was very strange. Like, I shot the pilot. When I, when I got the pilot to audition for the pilot, I was like, oh, my gosh. Somebody who goes to church? I totally get this. And, the, and like, the, the queer person who's in town that's not, like, some sort of right-wing Christian, like I totally know that person. I could, I could play that person. So I auditioned and I got it. They didn't tell us anything about what would be in season one. I just assumed every episode would end at choir practice and we'd all end with the song, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, then when I got the scripts, each script I read, there would be something like profoundly similar to me, you know? Like I had, I mean, this is silly, but I had a stress rash in uh, high school, and then it reappeared when I turned 40. Um, I had, <laughs> I had, uh, I have a vision board. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, I have, uh, I drew, <laughs> I drove a Buick LeSabre. He drives a Buick LeSabre. Um, I mean, it's like bizarre. Um, it, but he, um, but I also, once I was on set, the the writers were really very, uh, you know, so many, you know, you hear about like Aaron Sorkin and, and Mamet, and they're like, the words are on the page, just say the words. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a little bit um, unkind toward actors as artists, but uh, it wasn't like I changed, you know, plot arcs or anything, but like... I, they would allow me to improvise things and then they'd be like, that was great. Maybe don't go into that part, but go with that. You know, and we would always get a take where it was like actually the script. But they were really great at, especially the parts where Bridget and I were were playing the sort of bonding scenes. They were really great at letting us, you know, talk how we would talk so that it felt more natural and it felt more realistic. And, um, and so, and then there were like, things that they let me improvise that made sense to like the line at the end of, can I, can I spoil something for the final episode? Oh, do it. <laughs> the line at the end of, of, of the season finale, when I say, this is church, this is church. That was just an improvisation for me because I was a theology major in college. And we used to say that at parties, like this is church. You know, we were like, right. Sort of dumb, but, um, but it, there is a beauty in that. And so, uh, so things like that, uh, you know, me, I, I didn't, I was supposed to be doing Taibo in the fighting scene. And I was like, I don't know how to do Taibo, but I know how to do Zumba. Could I just do Zumba? <laughs> and they're like, do Zumba. Um, so things like that were, think, were and, and like the way the mouth, the words fit in my mouth, they would allow, allow me to change them to make more sense for me. Um, yeah. It was really cool, actually. And it's very rare that that happens. I'm, that, which is not to say that we were like, 
all Apato up in there and like <laughs> throwing the script out the window. We, you know, we really were <laughs> trying to make sure that that the what what they said in the script was coming across and the way that they wanted it to come across, but just sort of fitting it in our mouths in the right way. So somewhere in between the Apatow world and Amy Sherman Palladino right. shouting faster, faster through a <laughs> megaphone. Exactly. You. Norman Mailer looking down at all the commas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Circling them with a red pencil. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the, that line, this is church, because I, I, I know, but just from me and from everyone I know who was either queer and in church when they were young, because uh, what I learned about you on Good Christian Fun is you came up in the Lutheran church in Texas, and I was a, in a variety of increasingly horrifying Baptist uh, churches. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's rough, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it sure was. <laughs> but I want to reach out to your hand on the couch and touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I accept this. Um, the idea of sort of feeling like you have no choice but to leave hmm. the, the the church. Um. And finding that 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 same feeling in other places is something that can be very difficult for uh, you. Don't even have to be queer. You just have to be someone who, uh, over time, begins to feel alienated from this place that you grew up with. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have never seen this character in a TV show before. <laughs> I've never seen this person expressed exactly this way on a TV show before, because I know Joel. (laughs) Joel was in every youth group I ever was a part of (laughs) growing up. And Joel was visibly gay and took the bullets. And I got to stand over on the side and go, I don't know anything about what's going on right now. I am not going to speak or talk or make myself seen or known. Mm. Um, I'm just going to have a little panic attack. <laughs> in and the butchest way possible. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't even that. It was just sort of like, whatever they're noticing, I'm going to, I'll be the opposite I'm of that. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you a damn thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's so uh, satisfying to <laughs> watch a character like Joel assert himself Hmm. Uh, because every Joel I ever knew couldn't, they were driven out. Right. And watching, watching your character do this and resist anybody's, you know, uh, 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 what are the words I'm looking for? Not just, not just Sam's, you know, condescension over the vision board, but anybody's determination to tell Joel what he has to be. Or not be. Or not be. Hmm. He just won't do it. And yeah. that is such a that is such a bracing and good combination of character qualities to see in a fictional character. Um <laughs> that it, it it makes this show that much more special, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I do have some religion questions for you though. Oh, okay. I hope they're just like really fact based. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Multiple choice. There's an essay at the end. What's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh um. actually, you know what? I there is a religious queer character in Richard Linklater's Bernie, huh? but oh. he's a murderer. Right? <laughs> you can't have everything. <laughs> I love that movie, though. Those, I mean, talk about East Texas perfect. I mean, that. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mom watched that, and she was like, I mean, it's like they just picked him right off of the street. And then we learned that like, some of them were just picked up off the street. They really were just people from East Texas. Well, I say, what's great is that some of the real folks from the town are in the movie, and there's also yeah. actors, and you are hard-pressed to know who's who in the closing <laughs> credits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I know so here's Shirley my... McLean is oh, real. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. They're all real. They're all real, Jeff. Anyway, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay, here's my religion question. There's really only one. In the last okay. episode, you you quote the book of Colossians hmm. about forgiveness. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Do you buy that one? Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, and what I really loved about the, the, the expression of that uh, scene was that Joel says it out loud, you know, forgive each other as God has forgiven you. Um, and I think he wants to believe it. And I think right. at the same time, he, 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 well, he comes around and says, you know what? No, that's too hard to do. Right. But he also says, duh Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how do you even approach that as, as, a, as a human being, you know, when I someone know. has done something so grievously wrong to you? I know. How would Sometimes you forgive them? Forgive him. I know. Oh. Um, wait, what, so what's the question? Do I believe it? Is that what you're how do you, saying? How, yeah. Do you, you grew up in the church. You grew mm. up as a Christian. How do, how do you feel about that verse of the Bible? Right. I feel like that verse is beautifully aspirational. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, okay, so here's my thing. I don't feel like I could ever um, tell other people, you need to, you need to do that. You know what I mean? Like, right. That, that, that is between you and your heart. But I do think, for me personally, it's something that I strive to do. You know, you hear about these people who like, um, you know, someone who was, had had a, a, a beloved family member or spouse or someone who was murdered and right. they say like, I don't want you to kill this person. Matthew Shepard's parents. Exactly. Judy Shepard is like, yeah, this beautiful example of that where it's like, where if you are aggrieved and you are so painfully hurt, um, well, two things. One, I do think that, that the anger can consume you and then they've, they've taken, you know, then that they've, they've won. I mean, that's sort of a, a poor, <laughs> poor way to say it. The language isn't proper there. Um, right. but, Absolutely. but second, um, I, I think you want to you want to not have it control you and you want to be able to move forward. And the only way to move forward is to forgive. But I don't know. Do I think like, you know, if, if, if my husband and my best friend slept with each other, would I just be like, I forgive you, you know, no, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it would be that easy. Um, I don't think it would be that easy, but I, I am, there's this story that that's happening right now and it's, it's not quite fair because I didn't know her that well, but this 87 year old woman here in New York city, she was a voice teacher for all of yep. these downtown oh, performers, right. yes. Barbara Meyer Gustin and, and someone who, a, a, a young woman in her 20s was walking down the street and probably was angry. I don't know the actual story. She hasn't told the story, but for whatever reason, unprovoked, she just pushed this very, very tiny 87-year-old woman who was going to a show at Joe's Pub for her her vo vocal student to support them. Yeah. And Barbara fell and died from that. And I, I just feel like I want, I want to, I want to forgive that. I don't, I don't find that just being like, crucify her, rip her to shreds. I don't right. think that that's going to help Barbara. I don't think that's going to help the world. I don't think that's going to help anything. And her grandson said this beautiful thing, which was that like, um, I, you know, if, if this is a person who's mentally ill, I hope, I hope she gets help and, uh, if this is a person who was angry, I hope she um, can find a way to to find peace. 
And, you know, I think that that's so beautiful and such a, such a wonderful thing to say. That said, I spent all of like 2016 to 2020 just filled with rage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, kind of bled into 2021 and 2022, <laughs> too. So maybe I shouldn't be talking. <laughs> yeah, I was fixing to say, uh, this is a, this is a, a rage uh, home. As well, so you're in a safe space. <laughs> I, you were fixing to say, "Oh, you are from Texas." Yes. I, uh, oh, yes. So, <laughs> the um, I heard about that story. I read about it, and mm. you know, I'm glad you brought it up because my first thought, and has been since the moment, is punish her. Right. Right. So yeah, everything I ever learned goes out the window real fast. <laughs> I know, and it's not easy, and uh, you know. Like I said, I have no room to talk to other people about their feelings, so I won't. <laughs> so this is a show that draws together uh, a lot of threads of human experience. You know, isolation, confusion about where to take you know your next step in life, longing, uh, the desire for more than you've got at the moment. The shifting gears in midlife, friendship, support, the... Family relationships. The family relationships, rural, small town, queerness, religious queerness, grief. And so my question is, when you are shooting a show like this, and you are presumably, I'm guessing, based on the little I know about production, you're <laughs> shooting it out of sequence. Yes. Completely. How do you all know? How do you know it's all going to come together like that, or do you just pray that it does, or could you feel that it was going to? I definitely could not feel it that it was going to. I was like, "Is this, <laughs> is this <laughs> going to work?" Um, <laughs> and it's so funny because I, I, I think that all of that credit goes to Hannah and Paul, the the creators of the show, who, yeah. um, and the directors, uh, J. Duplass and and Rob Cohen who were really able to come together on the tone. And I think I think that it's going to be so much easier shooting season two because I think we do know the tone now. And we yeah. know sort of, because we would try like kind of wacky, goofy things. And then we would try like the serious, samba version of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was not a lot of time. So uh, it was very stressful. And also it was not only out of order per episode, but it was out of order for the whole season. So like everything that happened in the in the office was the first two days of shooting, even oh, the wow. stuff that happened for episode six, you know? So it was very... So like was, all the store scenes took place. Exactly. All the store scenes happened within two days of each other. It was really like location-based. And so there were, there were several times when it was like, wait, what's happening right before this? You know, <laughs> um, just like plot-wise, why am I answering the door and what's happening with her? Are we mad um, at each other? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, so uh, I I definitely was like, how does this work? But I do feel like we just had really good captains and they were really good at steering the ship and and really good at giving us the freedom to try it different ways and see what was right for them. Um, and they, they both talked about this, uh, about the, how editing the show was such a, like a, a, a creative process for them. It was no. like, I mean, it wasn't like changing plot points, but it was like, I mean, there were definitely like lots of things eliminated that we shot that, um, are no longer there. And I think that they, they did, they're really good at pruning away the unnecessary things to get exactly what you need. Um, you know, and if you guys are trying different takes on a scene, then obviously in the editing room, so they have to look at them all and be like, "How do? Where do we go from here? How do we want to handle this?" Because you're giving them options, and then they've got to they've got to nail it down to one. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And they also have to match that to what has just come before and what will be coming after, and right. and how it works in the the overall episode, but also the overall season. And yeah, it's it's. Oh God, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but and just, I, 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was and just based on you know this one season in the film Driveways, hmm. they absolutely have a vision for hmm. what kind of reality they want presented. You know, absolutely. Um, it's so close to actual lived human experience that um, it, it it sets it sets both of these things apart. I really believe. But with a lot right. of compassion too. Yeah. Right. They talk a lot about wanting to 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 dramatize the parts in between the really dramatic things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't see Holly die. Right. You just see the dealing with it after she has died. And not even immediately. It's like 6 months later, you know. Um, Have you ever seen any films from the Belgian uh, brothers, the Dardenne brothers? No, but that sounds super classy. <laughs> well, it, it is, you know, we're film critics. So I know, I we, was really we into it. We are super classy uh, here. <laughs> um, they, they have a, a very, very, you know, naturalistic, realistic style. Um, they're really old, too. They're both, like, I guess in their 80s now. Right? Oh, They've been wow, making yeah. movies for decades. Wait, where are they um, from? Belgium? They're, they're Belgian. Okay. Um, you may have seen, okay, Marion Cotillard was nominated for an Academy Award for a film called uh, Two Days, One Night. Two Days, One Night. And oh, that's right. a film from the Dardenne Brothers. Right, right, so, right. If that, anyway, this show, Driveway. Is that the one where she only had one leg? No. No, that's no. Rust and Bone. This, this <laughs> is the Rust one where bone. she's trying to get her job back at the factory. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. If you haven't seen I'm clearly it, clearly not a film critic. It's, it, <laughs> we forgive you. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's a beautiful movie, but it reminds me a lot. Their films remind me a lot of the kinds of stuff that that Hannah Boss and and Paul Thurine are writing. Oh, that's so cool! I'm going to check that um, out. So now you and Dave have a religious upbringing in common. The thing that leapt out of me as I was, you know, in, researching you online is that. Uh, you once started an improv troupe called Neely O'Hara. So I immediately need to know your whole Valley of the Dolls origin story. Alonso is a Valley of the Dollsologist, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's so impressive. Um, well, um, well, first we were going to be called Feathers and Flannel, but then the lesbians left. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe going to be know me alone, uh, know me Malone, or know me I'm alone, and then <laughs> we had a party where we um, ate pot cookies and watched Showgirls, and then we watched um, Valley of the Dolls, which I had seen in high school but did not appreciate fully until then, and then of course it was you know Sparkle Neely Sparkle, <laughs> um, so then we we all decided. This is, this is it. This is what we've got to do. It's Broadway doesn't yeah. want you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a very quotable film. Very oh, quotable. Start to finish, no question. <laughs> In my notes, all I have is the name Drew Drogi. So you had a question, oh, I think, about Yeah, Drew. well, we, we, we are friends yeah. with Drew, and, yeah. and you took over in the off-Broadway production of uh, Bright Colors and Bold Patterns, which yes. I would now am now dying to see you in that role. Um, <laughs> it's very different from Joel. <laughs> I, to say well, the yeah. least, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just curious, how is it to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the whole nature of stage acting is that they go through casts and there are revivals and different versions, but you're literally stepping in for the guy who wrote the show <laughs> as a one man show. Um, right. And he's in the audience like watching you, giving you notes. Oh God, that, that was, that, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. Wow. Telling you like, you're not saying Trina Turk, right? <laughs> I say, isn't it Trina? He's like, no, that's falsettos. It's Trina. <laughs> so no pressure then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I saw a very early version of that in L.A. because I still live in L.A. And um, I saw a very early version of it. In that and... little gallery on Pico? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We saw that one, too. Oh, I love it. And even then, it was like, oh, this is... I was like, this is not, a... this is not some comedy show. This is a play. You've written a real play. And mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, you've got to continue developing this. I'm sure he was like, okay. (laughs) You say so, Jeff. Yeah. This is my thing. I'm obviously going to keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he, uh, and when he came, you know, I, 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 when he came to New York to do the show, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see it again. So I saw it again. And um, when I came to opening night, the producer pulled me aside and was like, you know, Drew can only stay through March, but our ticket sales are going wonderfully. We think we want to continue to blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he was, uh, and then later he was like, um, we wanted you to do it. Anyway, I'm, I'm not very smart about things like that. Anyway, so uh, it, was not, it was not hard to do because it is written so well. So I really, I really could... I mean, you know, in the same way that I know this character, Joel, I really did know the character of Gary. Like, he is someone we all know. The guy who's high on coke at, you know, 4 p.m. And you're like, whoa, stop licking your lips. Um, And who's just got a real opinion on everything. And he's, like, super fun for two hours, but really tragic after four. And um, I just thought, the pacing of the show was so good. I thought, um, you know, Michael Urie directed it really beautifully. The set was amazing. So it, it it was just, it was an honor to get to do. And it wasn't, it wasn't, other than finding out how to pronounce Trina Turk, I <laughs> was really able to um, do it pretty well. There was another one too that I said, I said funny. And he was like, no, no, you're saying it wrong. You're saying it from Texas. He's from Georgia. <laughs> So, since the show began, uh, do you see a shift in uh, what kind of parts you're up for now? Because I remember the first episode, you come on screen and I said to Alonzo, I know him from stuff. Right. Like, I remember you being in things and when he, and then Alonzo said to me, yeah, well, like what? And I was like, well, I can't remember. I'd have to go to his IMDb page. You really remember. Because <laughs> you just had, it, you were that guy. Yes. And then I went down your IMDb and I was in like, the proud tradition oh, of that guy. he's in Greta. <laughs> Greta. <laughs> yeah. I really want to read your review of that one. <laughs> all this stuff. Hey, we dug we it. We were fans of Greta, actually. <laughs> Well, and, if you and, like and, Valley of the Dolls, you might like Greta. Yeah, you got to get physical with Isabel Huppert. I did. I had to I had restrain her. <laughs> we shot that in Ireland, too. It takes place in New York. I don't get it, but I'm not going to argue. Right, of course. <laughs> um, what, yeah. what has changed? Well, I mean, I can't tell you that that much has changed, to okay. be honest. Um, but I am... There, there have been a couple of film roles that I've been able to audition for that I might not have been able to audition for. But I've actually shot a couple of things. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I mean, they're just like TV shows that I was right. like a guest star on. And and they were not, uh, you know, I went there being like, I bet everyone saw the show and that's why I got this job. And then I'd go and like, no, <laughs> no one has seen the show at all. Which I think says something to Alonzo's point about the the show getting lost in the in the shuffle. Uh, I guess I just booked it as that guy, as you say. Um, but you know, I have hopes. <laughs> I have hopes that something more will come. But since that time, I've I've just played. I played a therapist and a and a a toy store owner and a acorn. So none of them had names. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, based on the experiences of friends who live here, who we know who are actors, Hmm. the idea of, you know, being known from something and then maybe not being known at all from that very same thing Hmm. is never, it never ceases to amaze me. We have a, a good friend who was, uh, a regular on a Disney Channel sitcom for years. Are you talking about Kevin Chamberlain? Dude, yeah, we are. Dude has dude has three it. Tony nominations, right? <laughs> but the fans who come up to him tend to be under ten, <laughs> right? Here he is, like legit Broadway star. 
like full on Susical, uh, you yeah. know, and yeah, these children are like, what's what's the butler's name? I can't remember his um, name. Bertram. Bertram. Bertram, yeah. right. <laughs> and they're all in college now. True, yes. All those kids. Oh my gosh, even worse. Yeah. <laughs> no, please. They're they're the casting agents of tomorrow. So <laughs> you know what? Touche. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> yeah. I you know, my hope is that I get to I mean, even if it's just things like more bright colors, bold patterns, you know, just things that are like interesting and right. like I'm not trying to play a straight guy. I tried that the first 20 years of my life. The reviews were not good. So I am fine playing the diaspora of homosexuals. And, um, but just like, it would just be nice to not only play people who are like, I'm sorry, you don't have a reservation. You know? <laughs> I'd be fine never saying that again. <laughs> there, was that, there was somebody who was talking about like, the roles that you get as a gay actor. And th- there was, they never say gay, but it was always like, it wasn't persnickety, but it was some word like that. Where it was, not even that, but it was, it, it was like officious. I think officious is the word. Officious. That is a real nice way of saying rude. <laughs> yeah. I play a lot of um, customer service representatives, just mean <laughs> customer service representatives who tell the main character, no. <laughs> Which we don't you know, have that. I got I got health insurance from that, so I appreciate it. There we go. <laughs> nice. That's that's all we want for everyone we know is adequate health insurance. For sure. <laughs> that's Alonzo, the world we live in. Alonzo, do you have any more questions? Um, gosh, I mean, I, I was just the other thing that I was stunned to discover in in researching this is that y'all aren't even shooting that show in Kansas. It's suburban Chicago. No. Oh my gosh, Hollywood. That's the that's the magic of it. The fakery of it all. And, and do you know when when you're when you're going back for season 2? I haven't heard specifics, but I heard gen- generally May, June or maybe June, July, something along those lines. I'm not sure yet. But the reason that they shoot it in Illinois is because they use a crew from Chicago. Oh, um, sure. Right. It's a pretty big crew. And but they did work really hard to find a town south of Illinois that has like limestone buildings and um, that sort of Midwest vibe. I mean, I guess it is Midwest, but <laughs> Kansas. No, that's, yeah, that's Midwest. Yeah. Well, because you know Lawrence, Kansas, is where they shot all those classroom films of the fifties and sixties. Are you serious? Yeah, that's Cor- true. Corinth, I forgot about Corinth that. Corinth Films was set there. Yeah, Coronet. Coronet. That's it. Coronet. Coronet. Yes. In fact, and, and that's Herc Harvey who made uh, Carnival of Souls. That was his his day job was making yeah. those uh, those classroom movies. Weird. That's so cool. But that that was the last time Kansas had a film industry to my knowledge. <laughs> if I'm that wrong, that crew might not be around anymore. <laughs> so anyway, season two is coming. We're very happy about this. It is a it. It is a perfect TV show. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not trying to kiss your ass. That's how much I love it. Um, I love anything that is about very small human being based moments because mm. as a, as a film critic, I am fed up to my eyeballs with, uh, superheroes and, uh, contrivances, aliens, aliens and aliens, aliens, <laughs> um, alien alliances. You, you, yeah, I, it, it is, it feels like a breath of, fresh air constantly it is funny that the breath of fresh air is the what life is like normally it's very yeah (laughs) Yeah. what if we tried telling (laughs) uh before we go i have a question for you regarding the new york times article uh that i read Hmm. where you you went lamp shopping (laughs) yeah yes technically i need to know if you you got the lamp because this is a lamp home. We don't like overhead. We have a lot of lamps. And I became very invested in you finding the lamp by the end of the article. And then the article left me hanging. <laughs> well, I did find two new lamp shades for a lamps that I already had. Now, my husband doesn't like gold. I think of these more sort of a brushed nickel or a brass, maybe. But he thinks they're gold. But... 
I won this fight and we now have them here. They have some beautiful new shades. I, on that, during that article, I did get new halos, which is just the little thing that goes around the bulb that the, that the, <laughs> the lampshade hangs on. That, it right. hold, that holds it, yeah. Exactly, and I did get that. So we have beautiful, pristine new lamps on either side of our bed that are just, mwah, I'm doing a chef's kiss. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep calling them brass. Yeah, exactly. And Brass then, is happening again, so you know. <laughs> gold. They're very sixties. They're very sixties. These lamps. <laughs> that's that's always a good look. You can't go wrong with that stuff. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It I love hearing terrible. that you're a lamp household. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say it again. I just love hearing that you're a lamp household. That Absolutely. really tells me a lot. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't deal with it being interrogated. With overhead light, it hurts me. Eventually, this is going to be like Mae West's apartment where there's nothing but 75 watt pink bulbs. <laughs> uh, well, those those bulbs are kind, so please, I'm going to order some on Amazon right now just for the hour. I'm, I'm delicate, and I <laughs> you need to be flattered by. Your I need source. soft. I need soft everything around me. Yeah. Yes. yes. I I fully support that. <laughs> Jeff, we thank you so much for uh, taking time with us today. Where can people find you online if they wish to do so? Oh, well, I am back on Instagram, but nothing else. And that's Boom Boom Hiller. And you have some great cat shots there. <laughs> I do have a couple, couple nice cat shots, yeah. Because <laughs> that's all they in get case you were like, forms, how homosexual people. are you? I do have a cat daughter. So there we go. Right. I answered your question. <laughs> That's all. That's all I'm on Instagram for is other people's cats because I'm allergic to them and I love them. And so <laughs> the curse of my life is I can't be near them. Oh yeah, and I don't want to take the time to walk a dog, so I use Instagram for that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it all works out. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, again, this is LKTV, usually a show that uh, you can only get on Patreon. So check out Patreon.com/slash/LinoleumKnife. If you want more stuff like this, and uh, we will catch you next time. And go watch somebody yes, somewhere. Yes, if that hasn't been made clear for the last hour, <laughs> or, go watch somebody somewhere. Or you and you and me, we ain't friends. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. I love it. <laughs> Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>